I know, right? I'm now regretting letting you host this episode. I'm like, wow. Welcome to Electric Enthusiasm, the podcast where we celebrate unironic enthusiasm. I'm Katie Cobalt. And I actually got that reference. Uh, yeah. And I'm uh, Alexander Kaywood, and I will try to do this entire episode without blinking. Oh, God. And you have to like look through your eyebrows as well. Exactly. Do like the Kubrick stare. Yeah, I, I, of course, I hate, I don't have your advantage of the bangs and uh, braids and black and white. And, I, I've done, I've done like a baby, a baby cosplay for today. Yeah, I've even gone full Wednesday. I love it. Well, two more people have now said to me, I look like Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so I felt like I might as well lean in, lean in. Lean into it. Jenna Ortega's beautiful. I'm not mad at that. Exactly. And so are you. Thank you. Um, Alex, how does this work? <laughs> Let me tell you, in each episode, one of us presents a topic that they love, but that the other one knows little or nothing about, except in this case where I think you know, you do know a lot about Wednesday, um, and then tries their damn hardest to spread their enthusiasm to the other host and to you, the listener. Sometimes we have guests on, we're super excited about something that we know nothing about. We also have the moment of meta, where we nerd out about enthusiasm itself and talk about why it matters and how you can live a more enthusiastic life. Because we think the world needs more enthusiasm, and you should share yours with us on our website, electricenthusiasm.com, or on Instagram, at electricenthusiasm. Tell us what you're excited about these days. You can even plain old send us an email at hello at electricenthusiasm.com. Yeah. Yeah. So, today we're talking about Wednesday, the new show on Netflix. You. Yes. And we should start with the facts first, right? Yes. Yes. I have not done any research, so you better have facts. Excellent. I do. I do. I do. Good. And I thought we should dive a little bit into the history of, of not just this show, but the whole Adam's Family thing. Oh, I yes. love this. Yeah. Oh, I, lo- I love the Adam's Family. I grew up on the 90s movies, so I, I have a deep set love for the Adam's Family. Yeah. yeah. Before watching Wednesday, I had, I had not watched any Adam's Family ever. None of the TV shows, none of the movies, none of the nothing. So Have I you came seen in... the, what, the 90s movies yet? No. Girl. <laughs> One, Christina Ricci is Wednesday. Iconic. Iconic. Two, um, as much as I love, um, what's his name? Who plays um, Gomez? I don't even know. Raul something? Yeah, Raul. No, he, the new, Raul the new... is the, old, the OG. Yeah. Raul is by far an exquisite, an exquisite Gomez Adams. Like, mm-hmm. Luis Guzman is lovely. I think Luis Guzman is an excellent actor. I like him many things. His cameo community ranks as one of my favorite cameos of all time. As himself. But I will say, the the joy of the Adams family is that they're weird and that they're odd, right? And this typical, stereotypical, like, sitcom husband-wife duo is like, oh, the old ball and chain. Oh, I don't love my wife. And she's like... The so the odd thing is to like really truly love your wife and like to be expressive of that love. Yeah. And the nineties movies with Raul, that version is just so lovely and charming and delightful. It just it just brings me so much joy. Wow. It's I like that. so good. It's like so that. lovely. It like I think you would vibe. Like knowing knowing your your way and your appreciation of your partner, like you would love that shit. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So I feel good. I feel like in the show it's a little more sexual between them. Yeah, it's it it I mean it's Which not, also not great. but it's also like there is also like really good heart and love behind it, which I think is beautiful. 
fantastic. I love yeah. that. I love that. So have you seen any of the old films then? Have you seen the old TV series? Nothing. I have absolutely no previous contact with the Adams family whatsoever. That is such a shame. They're so fabulous. <laughs> yeah, They're so but good. I, I'm going to check it out more now. So do you know how the whole thing started? I believe it was a comic strip. Exactly, it? exactly. In the 1930s in the New Yorker magazine created by a guy who was called uh, Charles Adams. That, that clock, that tracks. Yes, yeah. yeah. And even back then, it was the same characters we know and their weird, spooky universe. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, in the 1960s, we got the iconic TV show, Two Seasons in Black and White. Uh, then in the 90s, we got the two movies and another TV show. And then here in 2022, we got Wednesday, uh, the new show that follows Wednesday Adams, the daughter in the family. Four of the episodes are directed by Tim Burton. I just realized there's so many references to the 90s films. Actually, all of the films, but particularly the 90s films in yeah. the Wednesday Adams series that you just did. You just you really need to watch the 90s films. I do. It makes so much sense when you see them. Like Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there are like a million details I didn't catch yeah. in Wednesday that are like <laughs> references to uh, to to the previous uh, incarnations of yeah. the family. Right. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, one thing was that uh, Patricia called it the secret password to get into the underground. The meeting room was there. And yeah. I'd never heard the theme song, so I didn't know that that was part of that. I know, right? I'm now regretting letting you host this episode. I'm like, wow. No, just kidding. Yeah, I got, I got, I've had you to chime in with all of those uh, extra details. Excellent. That's true. That's why we're so, doing like a, a two for one on this one. Exactly. Uh, of course, Tim Burton, deeply involved in the show, uh, directed four of the episodes, did a lot of the visual design, uh, which is fantastic. He, he's pretty good at that kind of thing. Um. So my, my one dark confession is that I've never seen any previous Adams Family. And my other dark confession is I don't necessarily particularly like all of Tim Burton stuff. I think that's I'm, totally fair. I, I really like uh, Edward Scissorhands and some of mm. the old stuff. Beetlejuice is fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite thing he's done is Ed Wood. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fantastic movie. Uh, the last movie of, of Tim Burton that I actually liked was Big Fish. Big Fish was very sweet. I like Big very, Fish. Exactly, very sweet. Uh, but everything since then has been like Sweeney Todd, not not a fan. But Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, eh. Can take it or leave it. Alice in Wonderland, eh. Yeah. So, Tim Burton, sometimes good, sometimes not so good, in my opinion. So my final year of high school, I had to write a 3,000-word essay yeah. on a topic of my choice. And I decided to write an essay on whether or not Tim Burton counts as an auteur or not using auteur theory in film. Uh, and I dissected lots of Tim Burton movies for that. Um, and my overall conclusion then, which I still think is very true today, is that I like Tim Burton best when he is adapting. Mm -hmm. Like when there's already a story out there that he is building upon. So Wednesday is an example of this. Um, but um, I... I don't, I think a lot of the things that Tim Burton gets credit for, I don't think he deserves credit for. Like, for example, Nightmare Before Christmas, mm -hmm. he didn't direct that. Henry Selznick did. Wow. And like what a lot of people associate with him. Henry Selznick was the the driving force behind that movie. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I have like very mixed feelings about Tim Burton. I think he does portray himself as the author and portray himself as that kind of guy who has the vision. Um but I also find that he does rely a lot on the people around him to help create that vision, which is what a director should do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just stop hiring Johnny Depp. Like, please stop. I'm just bored I, of him I, now. Like, Johnny Depp yeah. can't be every character. And also, like, he has some problematic views around uh, people of color. 
he says that he doesn't like casting people of color because they don't fit into his gothic vision of the world. Oh, that's bullshit. Yeah, he's getting better because he he hired Samuel L. Jackson for Miss Peregrine's Home for Imaginary Children, mm-hmm. um, which was better. Uh, and he learned how to like cast black actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Wednesday, we have some black actors. Um, but also like, who says that? That's really fucked up. Yeah, that is a messed up thing to say. Yeah, and he yeah. said like he grew up on black exploitation films. He doesn't want to like exploit black artists or something like that. And it's just like, dude, that's a weak ass excuse. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. So here's here's uh, here's the question I want to explore and why we're talking about Wednesday today is given that I have no previous relationship with the Adams family at all, and I'm not necessarily a, a huge fan of Tim Burton. Why did I absolutely love Wednesday the show? Because I love it. It, it uh, yeah, and that's what I, uh, it, it's it's funny, it's gorgeous, um, and I want to talk about uh, a couple of things that I really appreciate about it um, mm-hmm. and dive into, and maybe we can explore why it was that it worked. Because on the surface, it's just like a mix of other genres. Like there's some Harry Potter in there and the Quidditch Very much so, yeah. Uh, with the canoeing thing. There's a whodunit mystery. Uh, there's a teenage uh, romance. There's some high school movie with all the different gangs and groups in the high school. Um, so on the surface, it's very kind of formulaic. But there's just something here that works so well. And I want to see if we can find out what that is. I'm down. I'm down to that. Excellent. And also, it was just hilarious that I messaged you the other day, like, are you watching Wednesday? And you sent me back a picture of your laptop because you were literally watching like, it that, that very second. Moment. I also, like, throughout my watching, because I knew you were slightly ahead of me, I was so tempted to, like, anytime anything happened that I was excited about, I was I was this close to just texting you about it. Um, but then we also shared our theories. I, I shared my theories on who the monster was. And there are a ton of red herrings and yes. misdirections. And yeah. Uh, question, are we going to have any spoilers in this episode? We should try and avoid. Yeah, right? But we will say on the onset, we have it in writing because I sent it my theory to Alec. Mm-hmm. I was 50% correct. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. Like, the thing that I guessed, I was dead on the money by the thing that I guessed. The mm-hmm. other thing I guessed was wrong. But the thing that I, like, one of the things that I thought was 100% correct. And I'm yeah. very proud of that. Yes. Yes. All righty, let's watch a couple of clips. Yeah, let's do it. Um, and we should obviously, obviously start with the dance clip. I have, I have things to say about the dance clip, actually. Uh, I thought, I thought you might. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's watch it. Here it is. I love this dance clip. <laughs> a little bit of werewolf, a little bit of zombie, a little bit of Dracula. I love that head tilt. A little bit of Fandango. This is why I can tell you haven't seen any other Adam's Family stuff. This is why. <laughs> 
So the thing that I wanted to say about this clip is that a lot of the dances, the dances that she's doing are references to previous Adam's family iterations. Really? Yeah. So like the Fandango, this moment here yeah. is from the 90s movies. There's a moment where Morticia does a tango with Gomez. Ah. And there's a really iconic clip of her doing this. And that's exactly what Wednesday is doing. The little side-by-side -side dance with the hands. Mm -hmm. That's from the 60s series. Like, like the little girl Wednesday does like a little Wednesday dance. Mm -hmm. There's loads of moments from this dance, which are direct references to previous iterations of the Adams family. For me, when I was watching the second she did this, I knew it was Morticia Adams. Like that was a really fun moment for me because I was like, oh my gosh, she's doing like the Morticia Adams thing. That's she clearly learned how to dance from her mom. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool. So I, I really like that they pulled from the canon of Adam's family to create this dance. It's not just like it is weird shit and funny shit. Um, but they also very clearly were thinking about understanding where this character comes from in terms mm -hmm. of the canon that exists in the world, which is super yeah. cool. And apparently she choreographed the whole thing herself. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like, here's the song. Come up with some shit. And so Burton just let her do whatever. Um, yeah. So then she pulled it herself from the various Adam's families. Yeah. And nice. there's an interview where she talks about some of the other influences on this mm. dance. And she talked about Susie and the Banshee videos. Oh, yeah. Were super weird. Uh, 80s goth club kids dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, she talked about the previous Adams family uh, pulling from some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's super weird. I, uh, would you say it's good dancing? I think it is. Yeah. Because she, she is. says she's not a dancer. That was good dancing. Yeah. The fact that she used body isolations to emphasize her arm movements for me is really good dancing. Mm -hmm. She showed a clear ability to go from staccato movement to fluid movement really nicely. Um, the fact that she choreographed her whole body, including her head. Like for me, this is good dancing. That's a very good point. I think what's perfect here is how the dancing matches her character. Oh, yeah. She's dancing as Wednesday. Exactly. If she just busted into like ballet or whatever, that would have been so wrong. Yeah. But she's dancing something that just fits her spooky, weird oh, persona. Oh, you don't even know that reference. You're not scary. You're just kind of kooky. I prefer spooky. Oh, you're a bit kooky. No, I prefer spooky. That's from the yeah. theme song as well. Uh, you need to watch the 90s one. Seriously? <laughs> like... I understand she... the 60s one is maybe a bit too old, but like the 90s one stands. I swear it's so good. Yeah. And can we talk about the fact that Christina Ricci played Wednesday in the 90s movies and now she's in this new show? I and... did not recognize her at all. Nope. That wig they put her in. Offensive. I didn't, I didn't clock her once. Yeah. Until I think you told me and I was like, you what? Mm -hmm. How? No. By the way, she was not supposed to be in the show. Oh, no? Originally, you had Thora Birch playing a different character. Mm. They actually started filming. She had to withdraw. Oh, no. And then they were like, who do we get? And, and Tim Burton got Christina Ricci. So perfect, perfect yeah. uh, casting uh, to get the original Wednesday. Yes. One more clip. This scene is fantastic because it shows Wednesday in, in, in a little bit of a new light. Uncle Buster. <laughs> Still as sharp as ever, my pigtailed protege. Uncle Fester. 
go back then. Oh, no, faster. It's also, I think, the only time in the whole series Wednesday does actual fucking smile. Yes, and where her voice has just excitement. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Fester? is That's amazing. That's, uh, I think it's fantastic. Also, I love Fred Armisen. I do. I really love Fred Armisen. And so when I heard he was going to be Uncle Fester, I was super excited. I'm very disappointed he was only in it for like one episode. I want yes. more Uncle Fester, please. Yes. And you told me it was Fred Armisen. Uh, and I had no idea. I had not recognized him at all in all of that uh, makeup. Um, but he's fantastic. He's so good. And I love his weird little other characters. Weird. Of course, we're watching this clip. Here's uh, Fred Armisen in Parks and Rec. This is outrageous. Where are the armed men who come in to take the protesters away? Where are they? This kind of behavior is never tolerated in Boracua. You shout like that, they, they put you in jail right away. No trial, no, no nothing. Journalists, we have a special jail for journalists. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters, glasses. You write to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Overcooking Undercook, chicken overcook. is, is You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world because of jail. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Overcook, undercook. I wonder how much of that is improvised because he is uh, he's a fantastic improviser and Parks and Rec is known for letting people do that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's an episode coming up on Parks and Rec. Ooh, it, it, exciting. I watched a couple episodes and I was not, I didn't like it. Um, so maybe after like your episode on Parks and Rec, maybe I'll get more into it again. We're going to, we're going to change that. We're going to make, I'm going to make you love it. You're going to share your enthusiasm. Yes, I am. Yeah. Uncle uh, Fester in the 90s series is just as like endearing and lovely, but I would argue slightly more disgusting. Like, okay. there's a part of you that wants to like Uncle Fester in the 90s movies, but you can't quite. Uh -huh. um, in this one, it's, he's very easy to love. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, kind, of, kind of sweet. The weird voice he has, I think yeah. is phenomenal. Um, his facial expressions, he's, he's enthusiastic. Yeah. Wednesday, I think she is as well, but she keeps it inside and he, he shows it, so that's why mm. those two are a, like a like a perfect pairing. Um, yeah, goes so well together, right? Yeah, like in the in the canon of Uncle Fester, he's a really passionate, loving person. Like mm -hmm. really similar to Gomez, actually. Like he's really loving and really like open about his joy and his enthusiasm for mm -hmm. the world and people, regardless of how stupid his decisions are. Um, and that's a really lovely aspect of Uncle Fester. Fantastic. So that was just to give us a little sense of, of, uh, of the show. So my question really is, why do I love this show? Because I did love it. I loved it so much. <laughs> uh, when it's just the teenage drama and mystery and some Harry Potter and, and all that high school show mashed together. Um, and there are two reasons why I really, really liked it. Uh, one is the acting. Because uh, the acting is phenomenal. Starting with Jenna Ortega. She was amazing. She did a really great yeah. job. Yeah. And what I really admired about her acting in the show is how her face does very little, but mm -hmm. it expresses so much. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, w without, without blinking most of the time, without pulling like huge facial expressions or huge vocal changes, she can express a lot of like fear, anger, resentment, 
yeah. even embarrassment or friendship. Yeah, I think that was that was so well done. Mm-hmm. I I thought that her ability to embody the character of Wednesday because Wednesday is somebody who's really really deadpan. Like the character of Wednesday has like canonically been somebody who is deeply unenthusiastic about life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really hard thing to play and still be charming and endearing. Um, and I think she really successfully like wove that line. Like she did not have like joyful expressions aside from seeing Uncle Fester. And yet she still managed to come across as this really lovable character. She's got some really great one-liners that she delivers with such like sincerity. Um, and it's just, I, I think she did a great job. It was really fun to see her do that. Exactly. And also it seems like the actors had a good time together. Definitely. Just watch what and, Jenna and does. The same question. I mean, you're taking on Gomez Adams and he's just as iconic. Um, so Louise is answering, he's answering a question. Like what does Jenna do? That's very cute. What? Just leans her head on Gwendolyn Christie's shoulder. So it seems like they had a really good time together. And she and uh, Emma Myers, who plays Enid, apparently also mm. became really good friends. Yeah. There are a couple of other performances uh, we're going to talk about. But given Jen Ortega's deadpan performance, I would love to see her in something with Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it would work. I think it works really well against Enid because Enid is such a blatantly passionate person and like mm-hmm. has so much emotion mm-hmm. and therefore the contrast with Wednesday is really powerful. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that would still work when she's against uh, Audrey Plaza, who's also super deadpan. I don't even care if it works. I just want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see them Fair. do a, like a heist okay. movie or something. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Right. Okay. Um, You're sold so me. next up we have Thing, The Hand. I love The Thing. So well done. Here's a little clip. This is our introduction to Thing. Hello, Thing. Did you really think my highly trained olfactory sense wouldn't pick up on the faint whiff of neroli and bergamot in your favorite hand lotion? I could do this all day. Surrender. Mapping out. Mother and father sent you to spy on me, didn't they? I'm not above breaking a few fingers. It's super interesting because I've seen the behind the scenes. I know how they did it. It's mm-hmm. so interesting to see how it works. I know there's a man there, but I can't see him at all. No, it's so well no. done. Yeah. And how expressive the hand is. He how did many such ways. A great job. Yeah. How many ways they found to actually express emotion. Yeah. And action and intention and communication with just a hand. So that was cool. so cool. That little, you know, will you pledge your undying loyalty? And the high hand just bows down. Uh, so, so incredibly well done. Mm. Uh, it's really impressive. Yes. And I think getting a, a stage magician, somebody who's used to using their hands, I think was, that was a thing of genius. It's a guy called Victor Dorobantu, who is a Romanian. Uh, mm. They shot the whole thing in Romania. A side note. Um, in terms of uh, makeup, uh, mm-hmm. Wednesday still has freckles, which I think to most people is probably like they didn't even think about it. Um, but freckles typically on people uh, in TV, movies, photos are often like, you know, you put a shit ton of makeup on it and you hide the freckles. Mm-hmm. It's often th- seen as a blemish or something that's not to show. The fact that they let Jenna Ortega keep her freckles 
and that you can see that Wednesday has freckles, I think it's a really, really cool point for showing diversity of skin tones and that not all skin is perfectly pale and perfectly one shade. Um, and so like as somebody who enjoys makeup and who enjoys seeing how different makeup is done on different per people, like this close up shot, you can really see her freckles. And it makes mm -hmm. me really, really happy that they didn't cover them up because yes. normally I think particularly like maybe 10 years ago, they definitely would have. I did not notice the freckles at all. But I think like that's the thing, like as a, as like a girl who like I don't have freckles, but I have friends who do have freckles. And I do mm -hmm. have I know lots of people who talk about this, like it's. It's now something to celebrate, but that wasn't always the case. People used to plaster a load of makeup on their faces to cover freckles. And so the fact that now that people see it more represented in the media, it's now no longer a thing to be shameful of. And I love super that. super lovely. Yes. That's fantastic. Actually, yep. one more thing on makeup, just because yes. it's something else I noticed. Um, Gwendolyn Christie looks beautiful in this. Mm -hmm. She has like sculpted, gorgeous updo hair. She has gorgeous makeup on. From some stuff I've seen on, like, Instagram knows I like Wednesday, so it showed me things. I'm sorry. Um, this is the first thing she's ever been in where she was allowed to look beautiful. Yeah. Um, because in all the other things she's been in, like uh, The Mandalorian or um, Game that, of that Thrones. Other show, that other show. <laughs> the <laughs> other show. Um, she has to play really masculine characters because yeah. she's a larger woman. Yeah. Um, and so I really like that. I think because it is an Adam's Family piece, the societal constructs around masculinity, femininity, and like those ideas around what it has to be are allowed to be reversed because mm -hmm. it's an Adam's family piece. And therefore, regardless of how statuesque or how tall Gwendolyn Christie is, she's still allowed to be beautiful in this. Yes. Um, and she looked gorgeous. Her yes. hair in this series is on fucking point every damn time she's on screen. Um, yes. And she's so she's such a beautiful woman. Um, she is. I did run into her once in London when I was walking around and I was so intimidated. Um, I didn't say hi because it was like when Game of Thrones is still on the air. And so I was like quite <laughs> nervous to say hello. Yeah. Um, but she's giant. She's very, 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 very tall. Yeah. I love the scenes where she's standing next to uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Because <laughs> Jenna Ortega is tiny. Very, very tiny. Very tiny. And speaking of the acting, I think Gwendolyn Christie did a fantastic job. Uh, she was great. And one performance I really enjoyed was uh, Ricky Lindholm as uh, Dr. Kinbot, the therapist. Oh, yeah, I love her. She's yeah. from uh, Garfunkel and Oates. She's great. From Garfunkel and Oates. And I was like, I recognize her from something. I re there's, I've seen her in something. And then I realized what it was. Peralta, Diaz, this is Inspector Canalsgord and Deputy Inspector Connison. Their flight here was eight hours. It's been a pleasure talking with you about the duration of your flight. Good day. Well, there goes my opening question about how long your flight was. I love Captain. It was eight hours. Yeah. No, I got that. I was joking. Sorry, it must have gotten lost in translation. No, we understand you perfectly. Everyone in Sweden speaks English. We also speak Norwegian, Dutch, German, French, Russian, and Finnish. But not Danish. That is a garbage language for garbage people. Yeah. I mean, she's not wrong. She is. She's exactly right. I said Dane. I could not agree more. Danish is a garbage yeah. language. Yeah. So the acting is definitely, I think that's what made it work. This yeah. this show for me, it elevated it beyond the, like all of the genres that it, that it, uh, that it uh, uses. Pulls from, yeah. Uh, pulls from, exactly. Uh, and the other thing is how gorgeous the show is. Uh, it is very beautiful. It, it is set beautiful. The set design is absolutely incredible. Oh man. And I wanted to talk specifically about the costumes. Because mm -hmm. um, the costumes are amazing. 
And the main costume designer is Colleen Atwood, who has done costumes for a lot of Tim Burton pro- uh, projects. She's... I was going to say, I recognize her name. I think I probably <laughs> had to write about her. <laughs> yeah, that is very likely. Here's a, just a very short clip of her talking about some of her background. Hi, Wednesday. That dress will certainly turn some heads. I do love that dress. I grew up I, on a farm I, and a small I want that dress. Yeah. Eastern Washington, very rural. And I was always wearing clothes that other people didn't wear in that town. And I remember the first time I saved enough money to buy something for myself from working when I was, I think I was 10 or 11. I ordered a white blazer with a crest, <laughs> which is kind of Adams family-ish. And I had to hide it <laughs> in a drawer. And when I pulled it out, my mother was like, what? What were you thinking? Why did you buy that with all your money from the summer? Somehow the bug was in there and eventually I got out of there and did my thing. Well, do you like it? What yes. is it exactly? It's the a snood. snood. It's fantastic. Silly. Do you know where they found that dress? Oh, they found it? Where did they find it? They were contemplating making one and then they see it on Bond Street in an Ayala store. I've never heard of Ayala, so I looked them up. You may want one of those dresses. Um, but I, I looked on their website and like a tiny little black cocktail Ayala dress is 3000 something US dollars. So yeah. So yeah, I was just going to make one. I was just going to make a replica. Yeah, yeah that's was, probably that a better bet. Oh, she did Chicago. Cool. I'm on her IMDb page now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she did that thing you do. Oh my God. That is such a good movie. She also did Edward. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. I'll, I'll stop scrolling through. It's very <laughs> extensive. She's been a costume designer in 87 movies. Yes. So that's quite a long scroll. She's great. And and that that dress for the Raven scene is, of course, the most iconic, but a lot of Wednesday's costumes. Yeah. Uh, like the school uniform, her special version in black and gray because she's allergic to color. I think that was phenomenal. Yeah. So the the collar is like a classic Wednesday Adams thing from the mm-hmm. canon. And so the way they cleverly incorporated it into almost every outfit she was wearing and also the dress. I think the reason why that dress is so perfect is not only is it a fabulous dress, but it has that collar element, which is like a classic Wednesday thing. Uh-huh. It gives you that Wednesday feeling, even though it's not like like typically it's a black dress with a white collar. Uh, so uh-huh. I thought that was a really clever way of doing it. It is. It is. Um, a lot of her outfits are really cool, uh, mm-hmm. and some of them have inspired knitters and crocheters around the world. Could you, could you tell me what that is? It's the Wednesday vest. Oh, yeah. I can see it now. Hmm? Oh, snap. Although the Wednesday vest has, like, slightly bigger squares, and it's got, like, a V-neck collar with some ribbing, which is very cute. Cool. But Patricia told me that that is now a huge hit among knitters and crocheters or some of those uh, knitted things. Nice. And then, of course, the other thing it has inspired are, you know, uh, Wednesday Halloween costumes. Oh, yeah. I think everyone's going to be Wednesday next year for Halloween. But, but uh, of course, if you click that link, what do you see? Oh. The thing that I find really offensive about this is that Wednesday, at least to me comes across as pretty much arrow ace Mm. like she's like there's a love triangle but it's not a triangle it's another fucking love corner because the two men ain't into each other Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's also backing the woman into a corner and this is like a sexy wednesday adams costume i imagine there's been sexy wednesday adam costumes for years though i'm sure they have i don't think this is new but the thing is that wednesday is so clearly not interested at all like when one of the guys is being more than friends with her, she's like, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. 
Like mm-hmm. at every point in in her existence in both this show and also like the original Christina Ricci one, I'd argue that her experiences with the romance are very much just like somebody is way too fucking into her and she's just like, no, I don't I'm, I don't want to do this. And they just mm-hmm. continually reject her boundaries and continually refuse to take her no seriously until she eventually just gives up and tries it out. And that is not fucking consent. And also that is something that's really common among Arrowace people, that experience of just being relentlessly pursued and then just trying it because you don't know what else to do. And that is a really common experience to the Arrowace community. And that's why I think, even though it's not canon, and even though it probably will never be canon, I think Wednesday Adams is aromantic, asexual. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it, honestly, it would be pretty awesome if she was. It would be so fucking cool. There is so there's so little Arrowace representation in the media. So like there's Jughead from the original Archie comics who mm-hmm. in Riverdale, they make uh, heterosexual, which I find deeply offensive because when asked about it, both the director and the actor who plays that character know that canonically in the comics, he was Arrowace, but mm-hmm. they decided it wasn't made. They didn't make for good stories. So fuck you. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants is Arrow Ace, um, or at least asexual. It's not very clear if he's aromantic as all, but he's asexual. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of anime characters, but like in terms of mainstream media, there is no female representation of asexuality that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'd be so fucking cool if Wednesday was canonically that. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get on to, I've got some conversations about queerness and Wednesday Adams I want to talk about in Moment of Meta, um, but we'll get to that later. I think we should do that uh, uh, now because I think really? that covers the the two main reasons why this show works so well for me is, is the acting is just beyond amazing, specifically Jenna Ortega, and then how gorgeous it is. No matter what else is going on in the scene, it, it always looks amazing. It's the sets yeah. and the lighting and the, the, the picture window that's half color oh, that's so for cool. Enid and that's half so black good. and white for Wednesday. And all, all of that is just so well designed and, yeah. and, and makes the whole thing gorgeous. The colors just pop. Uh, against against Wednesday's black and white. The other thing that I want to say that I liked about the series is I like a whodunit. Yeah. I like a little bit of mystery. I like the fact that there were so many red herrings and trying to discern which ones were the red herrings, which ones were real. Like, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. I really enjoyed getting to talk to you about it. And I was talking to my flatmate about it. I really like the fact that it was quite mysterious. And mm-hmm. like, there was lots of candidates who could be the monster, who could be the bad guy. Um, and I enjoyed that aspect. I really liked trying to guess who it was. I liked trying to figure out all the clues. I liked talking to people about it. That aspect of the show was really satisfying to me mm-hmm. and made me keep watching. Um, I, I was genuinely invested in finding out what the right? hell was going on. Like I had to, I had to know. I couldn't stop watching. Yeah. Um, and then was the ending satisfying? Questionable, considering how hyped I was about it. Um, but I really did enjoy doing that, and I really did enjoy talking to people about it, and like. Yeah getting a bit more like into it because I wanted to know who was going to do it. Yes, that definitely worked as well. Awesome. Um, You had some things you wanted to say. I do. This is going to enthusiasm number six, which is it's okay (laughs) to be enthusiastic about something that is flawed. Mm -hmm. So Wednesday is a very problematic show, I think. I don't think this detracts from how much I enjoy it, but it also is something that I do feel like we should bring up. And it's also something that's important for me when I talk about Wednesday for me to be mindful of and to discuss. Um, so first thing is the queer baiting. Wednesday Adams was marketed as like a very queer friendly show. The premiere was called When's Gay and it had drag queens featured in it, which made everyone assume there was going to be a queer storyline 
within the plot of Wednesday. Um, in a lot of the advertising marketing between the two main actresses who play Enid and Wednesday, they made jokes about they were roommates, mm -hmm. which is code for um, historians talking about particularly lesbian people who are, are uh, like they call them roommates when in actual fact they were partners. Yeah. There was a lot of queer baiting around the marketing of the show. In addition to that, Enid's character is wearing a, a jumper, which is the lesbian flag colors. So a lot of the lesbian community that I'm part of was really upset by this because they felt like they were promised a queer love story. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people was really excited about that queer love story. But then within the first 20 seconds, Enid is very clearly boy crazy and is not interested in Wednesday more than platonically. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a thing like queer baiting is a thing and it's a way of trying to get like the praise of being a full forward woke show without actually doing any of the work to make that happen um and it's not cool it's not okay and it's not cool wednesday is 100 percent guilty in my opinion of queer baiting mm -hmm. um and the other aspect of the show that i think is problematic that we should be mindful of is the whitewashing of the show so within the show itself, like narratively, I would argue there is whitewashing happening. There is a whole subplot about the pilgrims versus the quote unquote outcasts. Mm -hmm. And the outcasts are not necessarily shown to be Native Americans. And like in the show itself, Wednesday talks about pilgrim worlds being a very whitewashed experience. But then the narrative of the story itself is also, I would argue, a whitewashed narrative of American history. So it felt really hypocritical for the show to be critical of Pilgrim World as being whitewashing when I'd argue the show was doing equally a disservice to Native American people within the narrative of Wednesday. So it's kind of like, eh, I don't super like that. But I did like that Jenna Ortega is a Latina woman because I think Wednesday Adams and like the Adam family should be Latina because Gomez Adams is clearly Latina. With a name like Gomez. I know, right? Uh, and then the final thing that we should be mindful of is whilst there are black characters in this series, I don't think these black characters were at all considered to be black. Like, I don't think any thought process went into how would a black person approach this from their cultural perspective, because black culture and white culture are different. It's not to say that a black person can't behave in a certain kind of way, but it didn't feel like it did it did it felt very like colorblind to mm -hmm. me um particularly the fact that the black mayor owns pilgrim world mm -hmm. i don't buy that i'm sorry like i don't buy that a black man would own a piece of colonial history like i don't and then and then keep it the same way keep it super whitewashed and super focused on the white gaze can i can i Turn your attention to black men like Ben Carson or uh, Herman Cain. Yeah, there are uh, assholes. There are, there are some of those who are just like, you know, they attain a certain level of success and then they just buy completely into the world as it is. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So but that's it, not the it, representation it, of black people that we deserve. Uh, true, but it's not unheard of. It's not necessarily unrealistic. Uh, those those black black men do exist. That is true. I'll yeah. give you that. Um, but I do think it is a shame, mm -hmm. right? I think that it's super cool that Tim Burton is finally casting people of color because it took him a while. Let's mm -hmm. be honest. But mm -hmm. Tim Burton has historically said that he does not like casting people of color because they do not fit his aesthetic, which is uh, bullshit. Um, 
So, yay, he's finally realizing that black people can fit his quote unquote aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do also wish that more time had been paid attention to the cultural histories of Native American people, Latina people, black people to integrate that into their characters and make their characters feel more real. Sure. Um, because I think it's it's not that I think that these characters shouldn't exist. I think that it would have been way more interesting and way more exciting if we'd had that moment to sort of deconstruct that a little bit or had like something, anything to imply that these characters are from a different culture because they probably are. Mm-hmm. And maybe, for example, you pointed out like Herman Cain exists. Maybe like his kid would be like, yo, dad, why the fuck do you own Pilgrim? Like maybe his son could have questioned him on that. Mm-hmm. And that would like they already have an interesting father son dynamic. And I think that would have been super duper interesting. Yeah. I also remember something else that I also didn't like um, the conversion camp uh, thing. <laughs> Because that's really... Yeah, this is Edith's parents. Uh, she can't transform into a werewolf, so they are threatening to send her to werewolf conversion camp, mm. which is, of course, uh, uh, a play on gay conversion exactly. uh, therapy. Yeah. So I think that if you want to do a narrative around conversion camps, that's totally fine. I'm totally cool with you having a narrative around parents not accepting their child and wanting to push their child to do something else. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. The issue with for me is that... Um, Enid becoming a werewolf and quote unquote wolfing out is a terrible metaphor for queerness because as a werewolf, she is supposed to wolf out. It is Mm -hmm. normal for her to wolf out. And she eventually does wolf out, which implies that if you are a queer person, you are supposed to be heterosexual. You are supposed to be with a person of the opposite gender. And that is the normal thing to do. And if you don't do that, you are wrong. You are abnormal. It's reinforcing this anti queer anti-LGBT mentality that as a queer person, you have to normalize, you have to become part of the norm. And either you do that from through conversion therapy or you do that because it saves the day. Mm -hmm. And that eventually you will do that. Like, it's not a question of like, you're allowed to be yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I do actually really like the idea of having a plot line where, you know, there's a character who whose parents need to learn to accept them. Particularly yeah. in opposition to Wednesday Adams, because Wednesday Adams' parents do accept her. They love her for who she is, and that's a huge part of the Wednesday of the Adams family canon. So having a, a character opposing her where her parents don't accept her is fabulous. It's a great idea. It's a really nice contrast. Yeah. I just wish they hadn't used the phrase conversion therapy. Right? Sure. That's they just just take that out, take that phrasing out and take out that little plot line. And that storyline still stands. That storyline still stands in really nice opposition to Wednesday Adams. Mm-hmm. But now it's not invoking conversion therapy and it's not making it a narrative around queerness, which is the problem. Um, yeah. So those things annoyed me about the show and I wish they'd done better. It's like, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. <laughs> you know, I still enjoyed the show. Yeah, I still yeah, yeah. liked it, but I think I would have liked it more. I think there's an interesting parallel here to uh, Mirabelle in Encanto, right? Because it would have been so easy to give her powers at the end yeah, of, right? of, of Encanto. But they found a satisfying conclusion to the story that did not involve her becoming normal, becoming like everybody else. Yeah. Um, whereas in, again, that's a minor spoiler, but Enid eventually does wolf out. Yeah. Um, and and that feels like, feels like a little bit of a, 
betrayal of the previous, like I, I can be myself, I, I'm valid even if I don't wolf yeah. out and I don't need conversion therapy uh, to be a good person or to be a, a valid uh, person, right? Yeah. Seems like a little bit of a betrayal of that uh, yeah. narrative. But again, uh, it's fine to be aware of the flaws in something and you can still like it. And that's yeah. perfectly fine. And I still love uh, Wednesday. I was just thoroughly entranced, I think is a good word. I, like, just I still so really enjoyed the show. Like for yeah. all of the issues Fantastic. that I saw in it, I still really enjoyed it. And I think also what I, what I quite like is that I see a lot of discussions about the flaws of the show online which is great because i think it means that hopefully the showrunners will see that because they've mm -hmm. already been confirmed for season two so hopefully they'll see those those conversations and maybe make some changes yeah. and if not it also gives me an opportunity to talk about these issues in a format that is like a really easy opening door yeah. right it's sometimes really hard to talk to somebody about queer baiting or about why conversion therapy is really fucked up but wednesday is a great opportunity to have those conversations yes yes Yes. And I still like the show and I still think it's great. It yeah. just means, you know, when I'm recommending it to my queer friends, I give them a heads up. If I'm recommending it to my friends of color, I'll give them a heads up before they go into the show. Yes. And I think best of all is that you're set for Halloween costumes the next five years. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> That's the important thing. And also Excellent. when I play Wednesday Adams, she'll definitely fucking be queer. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Alex, where can a person go to learn oh, yeah. more about Wednesday? I am going to in include a, uh, I think it's a scientific term, a buttload of clips uh, <laughs> in our show notes. Interviews, clips of the show. Uh, there's a fabulous article from Harper's Bazaar interviewing Colleen Atwood about the uh, costumes. We're going to chuck all that stuff in there so you can uh, you can go explore more about Wednesday Adams, the amazing world she lives in. I will also put some links in there to read more about the problematic aspects of the show so you can be more informed. Not to say that you can't enjoy the show. Feel free to love the show. It's a very lovable show. Mm -hmm. But if you want to know more about the things I talked about, there is also going to be some links for you too. Be beautiful. So, dear listener, what do you think about Wednesday, the show, or, you know, the whole uh, history of the Adams family? Do you have any questions? Or did we leave out something awesome? Go to our website or Instagram at Electric Enthusiasm and leave us a comment. Excellent. I have some roundup for a previous episode. Hit me. I went to go see Matilda. And what do we think? It is really, really, really good. It is wow. really well done. The dancing is incredible. Like the little kids are so, so, so talented. Um, it is a lot more dramatic and there's a lot more going on than the original uh, movie also from the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, but super awesome shout out to Lashana Lynch, who plays Miss Honey. The last thing I saw her in was The Woman King, where she was a murderous, awesome, badass, fuck colonial, colonizers boss. From Going from that, where she was literally murdering people with her bare hands, to playing the soft, sweet, endearing Miss Honey. Like, that woman has range. I have a newfound enthusiasm for her. Oh my God, it was so good. So if Matilda is available in cinemas near you, I'd recommend going see it. It is very heartwarming. I cried a lot. Um, and also, it's just, it's just a really good night out. It's a great night out. It's a good show. And it's just beautiful. And if it's not in cinemas, it is coming to Netflix on December 25 all over the world. Excellent. Yeah. Christmas viewing. Boom. Christmas viewing right there. Beautiful. Katie, 
if somebody liked this episode, what other episode of ours do you think they should also uh, watch, listen to? Ah, uh, what about? Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, Tim Burton, heavily influenced by German expressionism. Ooh. We have an episode on one of the classic German expressionism films, M. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So that, that would be, be a very strange uh, detour, but it shows you kind of where Tim Burton gets a lot of his visuals from because mm -hmm. Tim Burton basically just stole German expressionism and put it into a modern setting. That's that's pretty much what he did. <laughs> and if you like this episode, go listen to a bunch of other ones because we're great and you should just listen to our shit. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's the one. Cool. Oh. We hope you enjoyed sharing some of our enthusiasms in this episode. Please visit our website, electricenthusiasm.com, or find us on Instagram, at electricenthusiasm, to discover more episodes or to leave a comment. And now, dear listeners, remember, the only person who gets to torture my brother is me. I didn't blink, thank God. I was, I was trying really hard not uh, to blink. That was great.